Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn criminal trials for one of those candidates, young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Hello and welcome to the MMQB NFL podcast. I'm Gary Grambling. And I'm Connor Rohr. And Connor, you and I, were cynical types. And a week ago this time, we were uh, we were mocking Super Wild Card Weekend, which is a stupid name for the first weekend of the playoffs. The games were terrible. Uh, it was just three days of sort of crappy football. And then this weekend came along, and I don't want to necessarily speak for you, but uh, I, I also do want to speak for you and just say... Our collective icy heart has been melted. Yeah, I was wondering what metaphor you were going to go with. And so um, I was going to counter with the, it is it's like that part in the Grinch where his heart bursts out of the little box that it was in. And then he decides to uh, bring all the presents back to Whoville. And, uh, you know, it's weird for me. And we'll get into this a little bit later. But I th- this weekend started with an active effort to reduce that cynicism and so i was in nashville and we'll talk about the titans game but it's like that that game was great but it was like the ninth best game this weekend um <laughs> it, was, it happened a thousand years ago now yeah it happened yeah it happened a thousand years ago uh you know i i've been i i was up at like four o'clock this morning to get my flight back here um so it feels like uh it feels like we're in another dimension and uh i walked around nissan stadium for like an hour and a half 
uh, my goal was to was to walk a 5K before the game because I there wasn't anything going on, and a lot of the players that I was watching pregame were already done with their warmups and everything. So uh, I wanted to like reconnect with, especially post pandemic. Like I haven't seen fans up close in a long time, honestly, and it was just cool to like be in that atmosphere again, that playoff environment, and I think that really like grease the skids for this weekend and now i'm just like this like fat and happy football dope who just is in love with everything and uh how could you not like that you know after this weekend it's just it, it's great it's just better than any other sport all other sports uh except i don't know all other sports are stupid compared to football <laughs> it it's kind of true even college football is kind of stupid. Professional yeah. football is, uh, I mean, this was it. Uh, so, listen, this is what we're going to do on this episode. We are going to go strictly with the games here. We, I don't know, I, I think we were probably on Friday maybe going to talk some uh, Josh McCown drama with the Texans and maybe get into Ben McAdoo uh, going to the Panthers or, I mean, I don't know about you, that that episode of NCIS Hawaii I kept hearing about, uh, that looked Oh, really good smugglers, maybe in that one. It seems yeah. like is a is a probable thing, but uh, we're gonna hold off on all of that until the midweek show, and we are sticking with just the conference semifinal games here, and we're gonna go backwards through time, starting with the Bills Chiefs. I am going to fire this takeoff at the top, and I'm gonna do it as earnestly as possible, and uh, hopefully it comes through. But this was the greatest. NFL game ever played I swear to God this is the greatest game ever played because you had what happened the last two minutes 25 points in the last two minutes that in and of itself is incredible this game could have been kind of garbage for 58 minutes and we'd still be really excited about it the first 58 minutes were also exceptional, watching how these two defenses were just sort of uh, really successfully, you know, kind of hanging on for dear life, but 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 doing it. And, and you know, the, the game plan for each of these defenses was good, and uh, it was working for them. They weren't necessarily, you know, shutting down the two quarterbacks, but uh, they were doing everything they possibly could. And there was just attention to that uh, as we came down the stretch. And uh, boy, and then it just it hit that crescendo and uh, it just melted everyone's brains simultaneously. Yeah, there was a um, uh, there was a title of an old Frank DeFord um sports illustrated article um it was in his like anthology uh i think it was the title of the article was the best against the best at their best and uh it was about like two golfers i don't even know who it was like tom watson <laughs> and oh, it was tom watson and jack nicholas that's who it was okay. um but that like i just kept thinking about the title of that while i was watching this game because it it was the best against the best at their best this was i mean i wish this was the super bowl i wanted this to be the super you know even though that's not possible but i wanted these two teams to play in the super bowl because they just match up so intriguingly well um and buffalo like it just sucks that a team had to lose this game because josh allen i've never seen somebody leave so much out there like that guy just left completely drained and really like the only reason you lose that game is because overtime rules are horseshit and otherwise like they could very well be going to the to the next round to to host the Bengals really 
I know. We'll we'll get to the overtime rules uh, before we move on from this game, <laughs> but we'll set that aside for a second. And yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, look. I, no offense to Chiefs fans, it's just like you know, well, you've won a Super Bowl. You're you know probably going to go back this year, uh, but you've won one before. You've been to two of them. Uh, it is sometimes just nice to see the other guys get a turn. I, uh, that's probably a very gooberish way of looking at this, but uh, it was a little bit heartbreaking to watch the Bills so close to uh, being in the scenario where they were going to host the AFC title game uh, and really just having four, you know, four quarterbacks who have not been to the Super Bowl before in the final four would have been very intriguing. Uh, Instead, it kind of feels like uh, this is going to be a Patrick Mahomes show for the last two weeks. But this game specifically, uh, first of all, as far as Josh Allen goes, the best play of this game was his fourth and four scramble, which, again, it's just one of those things. It's like, you know, we're taping at uh, at 11 o'clock on Sunday night here. Uh, it feels like that happened, like, last Wednesday at this point. There were, like, a thousand things that happened after. That fourth and four scramble was... <laughs> Not only his play, but just sort of the uh, the scenery around him, uh, the the defensive linemen launching themselves over each other to try to uh, to try to tackle him unsuccessfully, and I, I I just I don't know I it it sort of encompassed everything that Josh Allen is more than any other play, and obviously it was just <laughs> it was just incredible. It reminded me a little bit, right, of the Raiders-Chargers game from a few weeks ago where we're just sitting there and there's just so much incredible shit happening that you can't back up all the way to recount it properly. And, you know, I think back to when uh, it was a far more analog business that we were in and, like, you know, my entire uh, purview was, like, you know, my entire responsibility set was, like, writing a running game story for, like, a, a very, like... Uh, poorly developed website uh, when we were uh, when I was working for a newspaper and like I was thinking about that and I was like how would you even start to write some of these games like I'd never seen a game that good in 10 years of covering the NFL and then we got six of them in the last like four weeks of the season but I don't know how I would have written that game if uh, I had that responsibility because they're just so much incredible stuff like the fourth and 13 touchdown to Gabriel Davis who had like four 10,000 receiving <laughs> yards today. Um, like, just just an incredible... I mean, you know, and some of this is... There's going to be a bunch of clowns that are on Twitter just being like, oh, it's just because the rules are changed and defenses are blah, blah, blah. Gabriel Davis put one of the best moves on a defensive back that I've ever seen. I mean, that was just a straight-up, ankle-breaking, ridiculous double move to get wide open in the end zone, took the top off of that Spagnola defense, and Josh Allen is just just an ice man. And uh, just to be able to hit that ball in that moment, um, to go back and to then get the two-point conversion almost in a, like, in a Russell Wilson kind of way, like he backed away from the field, almost like Russell Wilson, but you're not yeah. like, you're not like 5'10", and you're not like, gravity is not your friend. You're like this big 6'4", like horse of a person trying to turn around like that, and you still are able to throw this touch pass to your tight end. I mean, the the whole thing is just, it's beautiful. Like, wh- like where do you even start, you know? It was, again, and, and on that Gabriel Davis touchdown, again, th- just the visuals of it. <laughs> like, poor Mike Hughes just 
absolutely collapsing in a heap, almost in like a pratfall style. Yeah, uh, going down on that play. Uh, it was just it was it was so. It was so visually pleasing at that point. Uh, and, and same thing on those, uh, watching Tyreek Hill uh, basically just obliterate ang- angles on the ensuing possession uh, for that long touchdown. And yes, he probably should have been flagged for taunting. I'm glad they didn't flag him for taunting because that's a dumb rule. Uh, but, you know, getting his little peace sign in as he goes into the end zone, that was just cool looking. Uh, <laughs> like, it I was- know it wasn't cool looking for the Bills fans, but it looked cool. It was very cool. So to give everyone sort of a peek of of my deal, so I, I covered the Titans game. I was in Nashville on Saturday. Uh, took a 6 a.m. flight back to New Jersey this morning so I could be back to uh, – I had to write off of the Buccaneers game on Sunday because our Albert Breer was down in Tampa and his column doesn't come out till the morning. We need something immediately after the Bucks game. And so uh, for the night game, I wanted to uh, – you know, we, we went over to a neighbor's house to watch it with some friends for a little bit and uh, so our kids could play together and stuff. And it was funny because there were just people that were walking in and out of the room as I was sitting there watching the game and taking notes and they would just be like oh like and everyone knew that i i kind of wanted buffalo to win because i like driving to games uh i'll have to fly to arrowhead now but i wanted to drive because i like driving up to buffalo and they were like oh sorry man that stinks and then they came back and they were like wait the bills are winning and then they left again and then they were like well there was like 10 seconds left how did the chiefs win and then it was an overtime and like nobody knew what was happening in this game and and they're like how did all this happen and i was like i don't know how to explain this to you i really i can't <laughs> like this is my job and uh, yeah. we're on a podcast right now and we just sat we both sound like chris farley for like oh it was awesome yeah man. like there's no yeah. there's no other way to there's no other way to describe it you should have told people uh actually you blacked out for three years it's uh it's 2025 <laughs> and this is a different game now i mean it probably will be like the next three <laughs> afc title games let's be real hopefully so- so this has been discussed uh, quite a bit already, but you know the Bills had a, a number of just unfortunate little inefficiencies down the stretch here. Uh, you know, kicking the ball into the end zone after the last uh, touchdown with 13 seconds left. If you keep that in the field of play, you're risking Byron Pringle uh, having a big run back, which is which is. It's unlikely. He does have a kickoff return touchdown in his career, but it is unlikely. It wasn't uh, Tyreek Hill back there. Uh, If you do that, you've essentially limited the Chiefs to two snaps instead of three. And then uh, they just, the Bills were kind of caught in between. They didn't know how to guard the Chiefs at that point. They didn't know what the Chiefs would would be trying to do. And uh, boy, I mean, Sean McDermott might not sleep for the next, I don't know, 11 months. He, it's this is true and it's funny I was talking to um I was talking to somebody who coached college football for a long time and and played college football and um this person was in his mid 60s um I met him this weekend while I was down in Nashville and we struck up a conversation and he was in like a game that he lost in like the 1960s. And he's like, I still have vivid nightmares about this game. Like it was, it's miserable and it haunts me. Imagine something like this, like the magnitude of which, I mean, that was a big game for him in his life, but this was, you hate to say it this way, but probably Sean McDermott's best shot. Right. I mean, with with the roster that age, like everyone gets a little older now, like Star, like Latulele, Jerry Hughes, like those guys, you're really your 
your great veteran guys that have really helped you this year? Do you get another year like you got out of them this year? Do you get another year out of uh, Poyer and Micah Hyde who are, you know, get, get getting up there a little bit? I mean, I don't know. I mean, they're great players. They're all pros, and I'm sure that, you know, they can still play at a high level. But, like, do you get everybody back here that good again? Um, and then, you know, do you expect the Patriots not to be good um, what if the Dolphins somehow don't screw up this coaching hire? You know, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of what ifs there, you know? There's a lot of what ifs. I will say, uh, even more than a year ago, you have the quarterback is just so entrenched as a superstar at this point. And look, Josh Allen's prime might not be as, as long as, uh, whatever, Tom Brady or something. Well, no one's prime will be as long as Tom Brady's, but, uh, you know, the physical style he plays maybe starts tailing off in his mid thirties and, and that's the end of it. But, uh, the quarterback keeps your window open for five plus years in the same way that, you know, Mahomes will keep that window open down in, in Kansas city for a long time here. Uh, the same way Aaron Rodgers kept the window open in green Bay for a long time. So, uh, I think you feel okay about that if you're uh, if you're a Bills fan. Uh, it's just I I mean I don't know. You're gonna have to go through Patrick Mahomes every time, and they're they're what they're basically uh, one in four. Excuse me, one in three at this point, and I, it's just it's it's never going to be. You're never gonna be in that position. I shouldn't say never. That's a dumb thing to say. But you're in a really good position to win a game down in Arrowhead in January, and uh, it, it's just letting it slip away is 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 yeah, it's 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 going to be tough to get over. I know that Tyreek Hill is fast. Um, you know this. We're not a. You know, I know you guys come to the podcast for this kind of analysis, <laughs> but was it just me or like I have not seen that gear out of him on that go ahead touchdown in two years? Like that was. I, I've not seen that Tyree kill in in two years. That was ridiculous. He's um, uh it, and and insane. look, he's been kind of banged up the last couple of weeks mm-hmm. too. But uh, and that's what it is with guys like that. It's not just it's not just fast. Like he hits top speed and he sustains top speed in a way that uh you know like like anyway if, if you run fifty yards uh probably by like yard thirty eight you're starting to slow down a little bit. Whereas he just he just doesn't. Um. But boy, that was uh, uh, again just just the the visuals of this game are uh, are incredible. That is my very meek take at this point, as we sort of exhaust everything here. Uh, I do want to I do want to bring up two things before we go on. Wait, uh, first, can I can I do one more thing on the Tyreek Hill touchdown? Yeah, I have one more like one more take on the Tyreek yeah. Hill touchdown. So here's the one thing that I think we keep forgetting. Um, and so this, this was the touchdown, (laughs) like we have to go backwards, like, and like for people who didn't, this is the touchdown that put the chiefs up by four, Mm -hmm. uh, and then the bills came back and then the chiefs came like, there was like eight more scores here. Uh, but, um, this was the long Tyreek Hill touchdown. And what was so cool about this play call and, and this is what, you know, even through the Chiefs' struggles, I think, um, we kind of miss like so Hyde and Poyer were playing too deep right I mean you know and they, they were both way back trying to prevent the big play so Tyree Kill is singled up and he gets the ball on you know this kind of like in in breaking route and what's fascinating is on the other side 
Andy Reid runs verticals with his two wide receivers who take their two men with them, but then they create this like lane for Tyreek Hill to like shoot through. And so incidentally, like the two verticals bunch up Poyer and Hyde in traffic and just like basically you affect four people with two wide receivers. And uh, it was it was incredible. It was really, really cool. Like the whole thing was brilliant. It's almost like you can go back to, I don't know if you remember a couple years ago when the Chiefs played down in Dallas and Tyreek Hill had that, uh, I think Alex Smith still might have been the quarterback at that point. Uh, he had that long uh, catch and run touchdown at the end of the first half where the Cowboys basically took all their defensive backs and like just put them in the end zone and yeah. the Chiefs threw to like the 50-yard line, but then Tyreek Hill just had a a head of steam and that's, that's, that's how it got done. And he just, again, he just... Uh, he gets that space, and then once you have to rely on a pursuit angle to get him, uh, that angle just sort of becomes null and void very, uh, very quickly. Just incredible. So, uh, you know, I, I had uh, I had thrown at the take that uh, Mahomes Allen is is in the budding stages of being a, a Brady Manning type of a rivalry here, uh, and this is. <laughs> This is why it's better than Brady Manning, because you get these types of games where if you had a Brady Manning game, you get efficient football. Yep. Uh, you get, uh, you know, like, ooh, uh, uh, you know, what are 90 seconds left. Too much time for Tom Brady. He has enough time here. Uh, 13 seconds was never going to be enough time for Peyton Manning or Tom Brady, even in their primes, to generate a scoring drive. Uh, we would never have 25 points in the final two minutes of a of a Brady Manning game. Uh, uh, what these two guys are capable of doing that just simply break defenses. And I don't know, look, maybe someone will have an answer at some point, but I don't know how you can really come up with something to stop them with 11 players. And no. that's, that's it. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, and also you're, that's the other thing. It's just be- it, it's it's just so much more aesthetically pleasing football. I mean, this goes back to our Brady take from a few weeks ago that like it's it's efficient, it's great, it's not aesthetically pleasing. This is this is wild. This is like this is the uncut stuff. Like this is the this is the football that Frank Lucas brings over from Vietnam in uh, uh, in American <laughs> Gangster. Like this is this is football that causes a problem for people. Like it's that good, you know. And uh, did you ever see that movie? By the way. Yes. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? Okay, yep. so you got the reference? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, comparing football to a horrible illicit drug, so I'm not sure what kind of take that is. Um, it's it's late. It's, um, I've, been this, up, I've been up for a long time. This game draws that out of you. <laughs> uh, this game is going to get Denzel Washington arrested. Um, oh, man. But, yeah, it, it, was, uh, it was just spectacular. Uh, and... Uh, it just it stinks that Josh Allen can't get some sort of like like another team can't like acquire Josh like the 49ers can't have Josh Allen then for the playoffs like and and just like use him somehow that would be awesome <laughs> that's a rule we need in this league uh it, it, but like if you're the 49ers you get him for the rest of this postseason and then like you give up like your next four first round picks or something exactly and that's yeah. it uh, let's overtime. talk about how dumb the overtime. Yeah, is. yeah. Overtime rules. I, so I 
I have uh, my my thoughts on this have evolved uh, again and again over the years. This is where I've landed. It, I, I've always thought it was dumb, um, but where I landed is just it's another fifteen minute quarter and let's just play. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, that way you don't have to change a whole lot. Like you know, I think I think spot and choose is probably the most interesting proposal, but mm-hmm. I think it would be difficult for the extraordinarily lay fan to understand and enjoy. I think, I think that would frustrate people to no end. And, you know, I would say like probably 65% of America that follows football, um, just in a very tangential sort of way is going to like log on week four to check their fan duel team. And then just be like, what the hell is going on? What is this? You know? And this would be an easier way to do it. It's like, yeah, we just get another 15 minutes. Like you don't have to go to the college thing. You don't have to, you don't have to alter anything. It's just add five more minutes and you just, it just keep going. And then, you know, this goes back to our last show, Gary, but the only people who have a problem with that are the stuff suits and CBS who are trying to shove another episode of Bones <laughs> down our throat. It's their fault, not ours. Or it's the, ghost. It's, it's the episode where they find a bone. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to spit out my mouth. <laughs> oh, Bones. <laughs> okay, so uh, I, I can't even remember my point. Oh, so my point is going to be this. Uh, in that scenario where you just say another 15-minute quarter, because this is what I kept on thinking as it came down the stretch here, I wrote down a note. Uh, gosh, I don't know. I, it must have been at like uh, 8.45 Eastern time or something where I was like, did Blake Bell just take the last offensive snap of the Chiefs season? Because the Bills scoring drive there was, you know, it was obviously really impressive. But the one that ended with a fourth and 13 touchdown to Gabriel Davis, uh, there it looked like there might be a scenario where they were going to essentially run the clock out. And I it was going to be touchdown. That's what I thought they were trying to do. Yeah. So you can manipulate the time in the, I mean, we know that, but I think everyone kind of thinks like, oh, well, 15 minutes. So each team has three possessions type of thing. But no, you can, you can play it that way. I mean, it, you know, if you're the, uh, Whatever, if you're the Bills and you get it back here and there's nine minutes left on the clock, maybe you try and go down and, and like, you know, it's score at the end and then go for a two-point conversion. You just have a methodical drive like that. But uh, it's it just, I don't know. I don't think we'll ever see meaningful change to the overtime rule, uh, and I don't think our children will. Maybe our children's children will live to see the day that the competition committee uh, gets together and decides there is something to be done here, but... I'm just I'm not confident that it will happen because it's I don't know or if they if it does happen it'll be like uh we're gonna make it a 16 minute quarter but all the same rules or something like that. When our children's children are alive, what season of the Equalizer with Queen Latifah is that going to be? By then, that's going to be like season 60 of the yeah. Equalizer. And obviously, and and uh, at that point, we'll say rest in peace, Queen Latifah, and us. And all hopefully likely. not, but you never uh, know. Oh, it, it, season 60 of The Equalizer? She'd be, <laughs> she, she'd be up there, but I I think at that point, what we'll see in the film industry is they'll just take the old footage and repurpose it. I know. Uh, or or may, maybe it will be an animated show at that point. 
Or but, maybe uh, we'll all be avatars. And so <laughs> I the only reason that I bring up that word and uh, and then we'll move on quickly is <laughs> yep. I got I, I got into a fight with editor Mitch about the word avatar uh, today because uh, in my column, I said that uh, Tom Brady should just place his his brain and all of his vital organs into an Earhart Perkins avatar and play forever because he's wonderful. And Mitch said, "Don't you mean robot?" And I said, "No, I mean avatar." And he was like, "No, you mean robot." And I was like, "No, the movie Avatar. Don't they put their <laughs> brains into like lizard people?" And uh, he was like, "That movie was so bad, I don't remember." And so we we fought about the movie. Like, so th- this was happening. During, like, during the greatest game in NFL history, like, there's, like, there's, like, kids, there's, like, kids, it's, like, there's, like, a kids play group going on, so there's, like, cookies and grape juice being smashed on one, out of one ear, and then in the other ear, I'm, I'm fighting with a grown man about the plot of the movie Avatar, and I was, like, can I watch this game for 30 (laughs) seconds? The greatest game in the history of the sport that I covered. Mitch, Good God. Blake, Blake Bell is under center. This is the play <laughs> that will decide this game. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. All right, let's go back in time just a little bit. Rams Buccaneers. So the the Rams and Bucks, and I want to get this out of the way first, uh, Yes, this game was very close. It was very exciting at the end. Uh, This was a huge mismatch. And if you went into a game and said, okay, the Rams are going to lose three downfield fumbles and a botched snap, Uh, their, I guess, injured kicker, maybe just slightly injured kicker, is going to come up short on a 47-yard field goal. Uh, That's the way this game is going to play out. Uh, The the Bucs are going to get all these gifts. Uh, I mean, if you're a playoff team, you should win that game by two touchdowns. Uh, It's just like every conceivable break went the Bucs' way. And yeah, that's, you know, we still ended up uh, with a scenario with with the Rams going down the field at the end of the game and, and winning it. Yeah. I loved uh, I and it was weird like the the Buccaneers kind of like lost their game plan a little bit and I loved the way that they came out in this game. Um, they were kind of mixing it up with that like two and three tight end sets and they were doing something. So I don't know why I remember this, but a couple of years ago I was at a Jets game and I was watching um, 
Uh, they had Chris Ivory. I think he had like 300 rushing yards that game when they were playing the Broncos. And it was almost the same thing where they were playing off of Von Miller's penchant for getting up the field really mm-hmm. fast. So they would bring in their blocking backs, their tight ends, and their fullbacks, and they would kind of block inside out. And they would create these big lanes just by virtue of Von Miller like allowing him up the field. And that's what they did on the opening couple plays there. And when I saw Leonard Fournette start gaining like seven, eight yards a carry, I was like, oh, no. This is like, it's not like the 40. 49er game where they kind of outside zone him to death. They're inside zoning them to death. And I couldn't believe it was happening. Uh, Ali Marpet was getting all over Aaron Donald, like, but they were getting down block situations. So it was easier for him to handle. And I was like, this thing's over. Uh, like, I thought there was zero chance the Rams were going to, were going to find their footing in this. That was, that was an interesting start. I mean, that they, they did some six linemen stuff. Uh, and it seemed like the only realistic formula for them uh, going forward. Uh, although I'll get to what happened in the second half a little bit. But uh, Brady just kind of missed a couple throws early yeah. on. And, you know, once you're down 10 nothing, yeah. I mean, that, that kind of becomes less of a something you can rely on. And, and on top of that, I mean, look, they were running the ball in first down. The Rams, I, I don't have the exact numbers in front of you, but the Rams started... Uh, uh, turning those eight-yard Leonard Fournette runs into one-yard Leonard Fournette runs. And uh, if you go back over the past few years, uh, nobody's good in third and long. No one wants to be in third and eight-plus. But uh, the Bucks were not good in those situations over the last couple of years. They, they were below average. So uh, that's not the kind of game they want to play. I was waiting for uh, – they did it on the Mike Evans shot. Uh, it, they they tried to do it on that uh, – they had a double move for Scotty Miller, and Donovan Smith just got beat by – it might have even uh, – I don't even think it was Von Miller at that point. It might have been uh, uh, Uncle uh, uh coming around the edge there. But uh, they just need some more, like, seven-man protections and, like, let's – Let's just go deep here. Let's just chuck it deep, and and that's the only way we're going to get back into it. And they they got one to Mike Evans, but then that was that was pretty much it. Yeah, I will say this though, and you know, I guess we're kind of burying the lead here. As of the recording of this podcast, we have no idea if uh, you know Tom Brady's going to play football next year, and this was the first time that he really sort of left that open. Um, but I and this is what I wrote after that game. Like I I think that if you were Tom Brady. And I'm curious your thoughts on this. I would rather go out after this game than to be a like limp armed Peyton Manning and then basically like have a team carry me to a Super Bowl. Like in essence, like you were basically on a stretcher in that game. Like you were not useful in any way, shape, or form. Like whereas Brady was badass. You know, at the end of this game, he was full force. Um, he recovered nicely and was hitting hitting passes. And I mean, you know, basically. Coverage wise against the Rams, like you were basically just trying to play like Gronk is bigger than some of these guys, you know, and Mike Evans is bigger than some of these guys. It wasn't beautiful football, but, you know, he was still hitting passes at the end of this game. And, you know, I think it was it was sort of emblematic of his career that I don't know how you felt, but like at 27 three, I didn't think this game was over. The uh, I thought the game was over. <laughs> you did? <laughs> I didn't think they were coming back. I didn't think they were going to be able to protect him. And, and Frank, I mean, look, again. If the Rams don't just have, uh, there are there are forced turnovers, there are forced errors. These weren't even forced errors. These were, these were just like, yeah, you should not fumble the ball uh, at this point in the game with a lead. Uh, that's that's what the Rams need to do differently down the stretch here. Um, as far as Brady goes, it's funny. Like I always just sort of say, if you're Brady, you have to step back and be like, okay, you, it's it's a 
<laughs> it sounds like the most obvious point that will ever be made in this podcast, but uh, you can't really walk away and come back at this point. You can't come back at 48. Maybe he can. Maybe he's the exception. But uh, if you're walking away, like, that's that's it. I mean, that's are you prepared to go do whatever, crypto commercials and uh, uh, whatever his clothing line is and, and doing a bunch of stuff with Alex Guerrero because that's your life from now on. Uh, you're not an NFL quarterback anymore. Uh, I think that's the only thing that draws him back because I don't see, uh, and I do I do kind of hate when people do the sort of like roster projection thing where it's like, well, this guy, this guy, this guy are gone, so, uh, and, and they can't possibly, you know, none of their young guys will improve and, and be able to fill those holes or something like that, as if, uh, uh, yeah, and Dominic Sue, uh, you know, they'll, they should just keep him until he's 57 years old and, and get the same production. But they <laughs> have Chris Godwin... Gronk, Ryan Jensen, Jason Pierre-Paul, Sue, William Goldston, Carlton Davis. All those guys are free agents. They maybe could bring back one or two of them. Uh, and if that is the scenario, and obviously Antonio Brown's not coming. Well, we think Antonio Brown's not coming back. We'll, yeah, I was we'll going to say, if, don't if, speak too soon. <laughs> we'll see if Brady demands it. Uh, you know, it, I, I just think that's a team that even with Brady – your ceiling is probably a one and done in the postseason. And do you want to come back and just kind of be, you know, on a kind of pretty good team and, and not really uh, be in the same class as, you know, the Rams or, uh, or the Packers, assuming Rogers comes back. Although I guess we shouldn't assume that, or even like a Cowboys team. Uh, That's why I think he walks away. I don't think he wants to play one more mediocre year and be done with it, but we'll see. I think he resurrects the Browns, baby. Right? <laughs> that would be Do awesome. Some, right? That Browns that would be right. awesome. Yeah. yeah. Go get him. Come on, Kevin Stefanski. Go get him. You got look, you gotta have an offensive line. Uh boy, you gotta get better weapons there. Maybe he just brings Gronk with him at that point. Yeah. Why not? Uh as far as the Rams go in this one, I mean, look, Matthew Safford was a uh, uh was tremendous in this game. Uh I do want to talk about that last throw of the game because uh, I was <laughs> I was a little bit uh, infuriated by uh, Bruce Arians' post game comments where he was kind of like, "Oh yeah, we didn't communicate the call to everyone, so there was a coverage bust." Uh, this was the Cooper Cup forty uh, yard reception right. to set up the uh, the field goal there. I didn't think there was a coverage bust. I thought the coverage operated as it was supposed to operate. Uh, Antoine Winfield, now you can criticize Todd Bowles for for creating the situation. One, where you're blitzing a quarterback is really good against the blitz uh, at a time when all you need to do is keep them out of field goal range. And two, uh, creating a scenario where you have Antoine Winfield guarding Cooper Cup. But all it looked like that happened was Winfield thought Cup was going outside because one, Stafford had to throw hot, and two, that's that's what they do, and that's what they had just done on the previous play. Uh, and instead, Cup, you know, kept it up the seam. And I mean, where we kind of talk about it like, oh yeah, oh, how can you give up that play? It still takes an incredible throw and catch in order to make that happen uh, against a zero blitz, and and that's the way it played out. So uh, you know, I I think it was. Not the correct call by Todd Bowles, whether the play worked or not, but it also took a pretty incredible play by two just phenomenal players in order to uh, take advantage of it. It was, yeah, some guys didn't blitz was, you know, was what he said, but um, I don't know. I prefer the dots. This is the perfect, I hate dots. Do you, do you, do you like dots? The dots? Uh, 
I like dots, but I think, especially on a play like this, like I had to go back and watch the replay uh, because you have to see what Winfield's body language is on it and said, you know, like, did he did he fall down like Mike Hughes or did he keep his feet? Yeah, no, but the dot, you know, the dots kind of showed like, you know, this was just, this was how it went. You know what I mean? Like it was a, it was a beautifully designed play. I mean, you know, they kind of had, and this is what Sean McVay does too. You have to consider that. Like this is what the best play callers in the league do is they find what you're in and then they just they know who's getting the ball. I mean, they know that that Cooper Cup's the guy on this. And what they're going to do is they're just going to run a bunch of other guys at you in the right direction to manipulate you and force you to move in the direction they want you to move in. And it was checkmate, you know? I mean, that that's really, I mean, as painfully sort of like simple as that is, you know? I mean, that's kind of how it was. That's uh, that's why you go and you get Matthew Stafford. Uh, Can I say the best thing that he did today, though? Was yes. get away with <laughs> kicking Indomitian and Sue in the groin and then blaming it on Sue. And Sue has such a trash reputation that mm-hmm. he got he got flagged. Indomitian and Sue was right. Yep. Because Matthew Stafford kicked him square in the groin, and then he got up and he was like, "Don't do that!" And the referee threw the flag on him. It was, and Matthew Stafford like went like, "Whoa!" Like, can you believe he's saying this to me? It was. It- Unreal. Yep. It was so good. Sean Hockley had, uh, <laughs> I don't know, he just had no patience for the Bucks in this one. And there was, uh, I mean, look, I don't know. It's, it's not, I don't want to say it's karma. That's that's not true. I mean, it, it, I, I don't think either of those flags should have been called, the one on Sue or the one on Brady. But it is just kind of funny that, like, okay, they got Sue, who has this history of, you know, questionable uh, actions on other human beings. Uh, <laughs> they get Sue for 15 yards for essentially getting kicked in the groin and not liking it. Uh, and then they get Brady for, you know, of, of all things, Brady, you know, pining for another uh, uh, roughing the passer call and kind of minor contact. And he just... He gets too overzealous about it, and he gets flagged for it for his his first career unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. Uh, and I don't know, Sean Hockley, I, he just he has a, a sense of the narrative or something like that. If you were a referee like that, and you were, I mean, I give Sean Hockley a lot of credit. I'm not standing up to a guy that's like deep into crypto and has more money than I will ever see in my entire life. Like I'm not going to be the guy who volunteers to give that guy his first unsportsmanlike because like one day, like I just know I'm going to be retired somewhere in Vermont and then like my cell phone's going to go out and then all of a sudden, like I'm going to check my bank account and the entire thing's just, just going to be vanished and like without a trace. And then there's just no, um, you know, there's just no, no way to get it back. Without a trace, I think was also a show on CBS. But, it was, yeah. yeah. Oh, we we plug them all here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Go on. Oh man, no that that was uh, uh that was I don't know a little bit of a, a little bit of a comedy right there from uh, uh from Hockley. Uh, so yeah, the other thing in this game, look, Cam Akers has been such an incredible story coming back from the ruptured Achilles in in a time frame that just it, it should not be humanly possible. Uh, his two fumbles in this game were as unforgivable as you can really get. 
Uh, and to me, it's almost to a point where I don't want to sound like Urban Meyer, where it's like, uh, oh, the guy fumbled, so now you got to bench him, and and the Rams have to go assign Carlos Hyde and, and, and get him in the lineup. Him. Yes. <laughs> I wasn't going there. No, I, w- I was going with the Carlos Hyde uh, uh, workload joke there. Uh, <laughs> both of them work, though. Uh, I don't know if you can... It's, it's not like you bench him, but it's like, can you trust him for like a significant role the next game? Uh, you have one fumble around the goal line, and it's kind of like, well, we're up you know, a ton of points. Not a not a huge deal. Uh, and, and then, I mean, gosh... All you have to do is cover with two hands, and your absolute worst-case scenario is you have a third and short, and the worst-case scenario after that is, yes, yeah, Tom Brady's getting the ball back and maybe drives for a touchdown, but he's going to have to go 75 yards in 70 seconds with no timeouts. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, you don't know the right way to coach that. I mean, I guess it's situational, and that's why you're a coach, right, where you learn how your players respond to stuff. If you think he's going to get better by – basically like throwing him off the team kind of for a week and then he'll come back and he won't do anything. That's what you do. But I remember when, uh, wasn't it Kareem Hunt's first ever carry? He fumbled. Uh, it was like a, yeah. like a prime time game against new England. Patriots game. Yep. Patriots yep. game. Yeah. And then, uh, and then the Andy Reid just was like, well, whatever. And just gave him the ball back again and, and let him, let him roll with it. I mean, if you're Sean McVay, it's, you know, it's a damned if you do damned, if you don't think, I think, you know, Mike Vrabel said this when we were in, um, Nashville after the game and it uh it like hurt my heart a little bit I'm not gonna lie um but uh I also thought it was like not the best defense of his um uh, what was going on but they were asking him you know Mike why did you do this why did you do that and he goes you know what what's it like just to make a living second guessing everything that's what you guys do for a living and he's like that's no way to live life and then I was like oh god you know it's like, you know, I started thinking about my life, you know, um, but uh, it's just tough. Um, but, um, you know, so in a lot of ways, like, you know, whatever Sean McVay does with Cam Akers, we're going to second guess it. And it's not fair because, you know, I think at the end of the day, however he plays it is going to be based off of a very intimate knowledge he has of Cam Akers personality, you know. That's fair. Uh, but it's also, uh, I, just to get to Rabel real quick, uh, it's kind of unfair. I mean, we don't get to first guess. He never asked me what to do during a game. <laughs> that hurts. I, well, my counter to that is I think a lot of times the questions are asked in a way that come off as second guesses. Um, but I would say, like, I just kind of want to learn, you know, like I want to know mm-hmm. why you did it. So I, I feel like it's like me asking you why you did it is not second guessing. It's just trying to understand and then what would the response inevitably be? I'm not going to tell you why I did it. You know? so, <laughs> I just want to yell at you. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
All right, we got more Mike Vrabel stuff coming up a little bit later in the show, but uh, first we're going to go back to Saturday night. 49ers Packers. So I don't know how you watch games, Connor. I'm guessing uh, with your eyes uh, in person or on a television, but uh, Mm -hmm. when I watch them, I usually watch them via DVR. I don't care what anyone's saying on Twitter. Uh, and I'll watch it on DVR so I can I can cut out halftime, I can cut out the commercial breaks and stuff like that and sort of watch it in uh, you know, an hour, 50 minutes instead of three hours, 10 minutes or whatever it ends up being. Uh, what I'll do sometimes is I'll get greedy and I'll start fast-forwarding or, or skipping the uh, the special teams play. I... W- <laughs> I did not big do, mistake. <laughs> I did not do that Saturday night because it was all this like ah oh, Packers special teams are really shaky. It just I was like, all right, I guess I better watch these plays just in case. But there's only so many special teams plays in a game, and, and even the worst special teams units, uh, they only have so many gaffes over the course of a season. Uh, surely we won't see this <laughs> play out the way it did. And yep. That's how it played out. That was that was to me that that was that was the story of this game. That was the difference of this game. There was other stuff, but that was uh that was it. Special teams incompetence at just an all time level. So I have a point in the question. I'll ask the question first. Yep. So what time did you finish the Packers 49ers game then? Oh gosh. I I have no idea. And it always it always ends on time. Um, I don't know, uh, like I'm, I'm watching the end of the game approximately when, uh, when you are and when the rest of the world is. So you're, you've DVR'd it. Yeah. So what's the point of that then? You, so you can. No, now I can start later. Now I can have, uh, you know, for, for the, uh, three o'clock kickoff today, I can, whatever I can, uh, in theory do something with my kids, uh, like watch TV. (laughs) <laughs> and then we can we can watch then, a different kind of TV before yep. football TV. Yeah, we we can watch some Cartoon Network until four o'clock, and then I'll start the game. Ah, I see. Okay, that makes sense. Um, and so here's to tie in because uh, I knew we were going to talk about this game next. That that would be the tie in. Like so, whatever Sean McVay does with Cam Akers reminds me a lot of whatever Matt Lafleur was supposed to do with you know. Uh, the special teams coordinator, you know, I'm because that was, um, you know, Maurice Drayton was under fire all year, you know, and that was kind of that. It was sort of that perpetual question is like, you know, you're going to change special teams coordinators. You're going to try to do something here. And it was, I was like, no, 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 no. And now it's not second guessing, but it's like, we're at the point now where does he wish he did something, you know? And it's like this weird, you know, it's this weird thing because it was so piss poor, like the the performances from top to bottom, like there were just mile wide cracks left in gaps. Like guys were just being, you know, turned around and you could tell, I mean, you know, Kyle Shanahan knew that this was, they were not the better team. And so it was almost like these guerrilla tactics to try to get back into stuff. And they, they took aim at special teams as an Achilles heel. And you know, they, they ended up massively successful. And what blows my mind is like, you go right from something like the blocked kick and then you come out at halftime and then you kick the ball right to Debo Samuel and he runs the ball back to midfield. And it's like, how can you not, go over and shake somebody on special teams and be like, we need to get this thing together. Cause this is, it wasn't just the big disasters. It was the very little disasters too, that all added up. 
It was. And again, I, I, I think uh, Buck and Aikman sometime in the first half made some comment like, oh, Kyle Shanahan thinks they can uh, you know, really, really get an edge on special teams tonight. They can't always do that and, and et cetera, et cetera. And, and you just kind of rolled your eyes. Cause it's like, did, did you interview Joe Judge or did you interview uh, Kyle Shanahan uh, <laughs> pregame? But, but no, when Kyle Shanahan says it, it is true. And it <laughs> it apparently just happens. But yeah, I mean, that was it. So obviously you had the, the punt block touchdown was the 49ers lone touchdown. But, uh, you know, that Debo Samuel uh, kick return to open the second half, that set up the field goal that got the 49ers uh, on, the, on the board. I mean, I don't know... <laughs> You know, I know the 49ers score more than uh, three or six points in that game without the special teams uh, impact here for the 49ers or if, you know, you're on the Packers side of it, the negative uh, side of it. Um, we're going to get to Aaron Rodgers' future in just a second. And I I, I don't want to – I love D'Amico Ryans, and, and obviously he, uh, he had another great night tonight. I don't want to go – I almost I almost don't want to give D'Amico Ryan too much credit because I think Aaron Rodgers has also played a terrible game. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not sure how else to put it. Uh so so yeah, and you know, D'Amico Ryan's did force some of that, but also uh when the Packers offensive coaches came up with the answers, uh Aaron Rodgers did not make the correct decisions or did not make the correct accurate throw. Yeah. I forget who made the point on Twitter, but bl- kind of drew it up um historically over like the la- their last couple of playoff losses and especially the last two under LaFleur like he seems to abandon the system and um and embody this sort of hero ball mentality which is just it's completely and totally unnecessary like the things that the best quarterbacks do is like you hold tight to this system in those moments you know what i mean and i think some of Aaron's best moments have been these singular transcendent throws that have blown our minds. But like, I think you don't need to do that all the time. And again, now Mike Vrabel's in my head, right? This is second guessing, right? I mean, (laughs) I've never thrown a pass in an NFL game. I'm sure if I was as talented as Aaron Rodgers from an arm perspective, I would probably want the thing on my shoulders. And I would say, you know what? Uh, Screw the outside zone. We're just going to do things my way. But the point is, when you have Nathaniel Hackett and Matt LaFleur and you run that thing, the entire point of that whole offense is that it is a story that unfolds in chapters throughout the game, right? And everything that you do on one down impacts what happens on the next down and the down after that. You're setting teams up for little landmines throughout the game, right? And you're going to do this five times in a row so that the defense becomes used to it. And then that's when you hit them in another way. You know what I'm saying? And so... When you do that, you screw up a lot of the ingrained sort of, you know, the little narratives that are being placed throughout the uh, throughout the game. And mm-hmm. I think that he does that sometimes. And again, I I don't know if I can blame Aaron Rodgers. You know, I don't want to get canceled. Um, but, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I don't know what else, you know, I don't know what else to do. Like, I, on one hand, you can't blame him. It's like, wouldn't you want the ball in the hands of your best player? But on the other, it's like... I know he hates sometimes the constraints that this system puts on him, but but you, but you gotta commit, you know, you gotta like you gotta really just like fully commit to this. It was uh, look if it was the last pass of you know a, a disappointing loss at the end of a disappointing season uh, or at least end to the season. Uh, 
it was just kind of it, it encompassed all of what you just talked about uh where you know they had to play Devonte adams is is streaking down the field double covered uh alan lazard i mean the play design is, is to have alan lazard running wide open over the middle of the field 20 yards down yeah for a wide open pitch and catch and and that was it and by the way that's that's why i was hesitant to to praise Demico ryan's who should be praised for this but I hated that call from Ryan's. I think it didn't work at all, and uh, it should have ended with the Packers having a first and ten uh, in plus territory, and and therefore driving for the uh, uh, the winning score. But uh, the play was there, and he just you know he, he chucked it for Devontae Adams instead of taking the. Uh, I mean, gosh, that that's a that's a ninety two percent chance you're completing that to like uh, Alan Lazard, Lazard is so open on that play. Like I'm, I actually just. It just came by on my uh, on the old YouTube again, and like, yeah, it's like it's jarring, and you know, the dot the dots were pretty bad too. The dots on that yep. were bad. Yep. Uh, the 49ers keep going forward. Jimmy Garoppolo is uh, his win percentage is so good, Connor. I don't know if you knew that, but. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> They're moving on here. Uh, Debo Samuel, again, uh, it, it, that was the other thing that's just going to ruin the next couple of months for the Packers and, and the team and their fans. That, that Debo Samuel run on third and seven to keep that drive alive. Uh, if they don't get that, uh, you know, can, is Robbie Gold hitting a 55-yarder or so in, in those conditions? I don't know. But uh, Debo Samuel ends up converting that first down to uh, keep that drive going. Jair Alexander just didn't get him on the ground when he when he had to. I don't know if that's just a, a product of a guy who hasn't been playing for three months, and it's almost like a preseason type of game for him as far as the physicality goes, and uh, he just wasn't wasn't up for it on that play. But, uh, boy, this 49ers team, the defense and special teams, carrying them through this one. Yeah, that Debo, that Debo run was awesome. I mean, just, you know, what an idea, you know, and, it, and it's cool. Like, this is what happens when, you know, you kind of can marry all of your ideas together. Like, the the teams whose scouting department is pipelined into the coaching staff, and it's not two groups of people who hate each other and are constantly politicking against each other. This is what happens when the coach goes to the meeting room and says, I want wide receivers that get yards after the catch, right? It's like the scene in Moneyball. Like, you know, he gets on base. This is what I want. I want yards after the catch. I want yards after the catch. So what do you do? You get Debo Samuel, and then you start to see this evolve to, uh, to the point where it's like, well, I don't have a running back. Who gives a shit? Because he's going to do the same thing anyway. Because what I wanted was yards after the catch. And what's a catch? You just toss the ball back to him. It's the same thing. And he's going to do the same thing if I run the ball. And so mm-hmm. it, it's it's awesome. I mean, just to see the way that it's worked out that way. I don't know how much longer they can sustain something like this. Um, but again, I mean, they've beaten the Rams before. So I, I think they could do it again. Man. It's uh, we'll we'll obviously break those games down in more detail on the midweek show, but uh, gosh, round three for that one. That's a that's going to be a real good one. Uh, so yeah, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I mean, look, we knew we were going to reach this point uh, <laughs> as far back as August, uh, and and we're here now. And the Packers obviously have a lot of uh, uh salary cap issues. They're going to be, uh, as Aaron Rodgers pointed out, a different team. Uh, next year, and he has to decide whether he wants to be a part of it. Uh, I just say, I mean, look, if you're Tom Brady, his the way he plays stylistically and where he is in his career, uh, 
your supporting cast is incredibly important to your success. Whereas with Aaron Rodgers, you can do a little bit more with a little bit less if you have to, as as long as you have those key guys. I mean, if they were to bring back Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, it still feels like, uh, you know, it's just hard to, to picture this team not being uh, a Super Bowl contender in the NFC. Yeah. Um, boy. I don't know what's going on um, with Aaron Rodgers. I will say this: um, there was the uh, there was the story over the weekend where he basically came out and sort of explained himself throughout the year, like his brazen defense of his life narrative and stuff. And the one thing that he did successfully this year was make me stop caring about what anybody thinks about anything. I don't care what anybody thinks about anything anymore. I actually read that story this morning on uh uh it was like it was at like 4:45 a.m. at the Nashville airport and uh I just wanted a kind bar so I was a little grumpy <laughs> and uh I couldn't find one and uh you know I'm like halfway down and I'm reading about like like a, a rogue anti-vax guy that was on Joe Rogan and I was like what am I doing with my life, you know? And, uh, you know, this is it's kind of the ball field he's playing in right now. I don't care what he thinks. I honestly don't. It doesn't matter to me. Um, but, man, that was just, um, he's you know, good for him. I, I will never <laughs> ask anybody what they think about anything ever again because of yeah. him this year. Never again. I don't care. It's, uh, it's amplified small talk. Uh, <laughs> that should just... I don't know. It it just shouldn't it shouldn't be uh it shouldn't be out there at this point. Yeah. I don't know what else to say about it. It's just uh every time he goes down that path, it's just kind of it it does. It it kinda of gives you a headache. It might it might play well in Denver, though. You never know. I mean Denver you know Den here's the thing though. everyone you know, I, I get asked this all the time. Like every time I do radio shows, they're like, Well he it'd be great in Denver. Is that where you want to go? Like, I mean you know the defense is great, but the offense is a little bit of a downgrade. Um, I'm not so sure about the offensive line. You know, um, I guess David Bakhtiari is getting older. You know, and and some of those guys, you know, you're not going to have them. But I don't know. I mean, you know, if you take Nathaniel Hackett with you, you get the system. I don't know. I mean, it, it seems like from a roster perspective, it's like a little bit of a wash, right? You get a little bit better of a defense. You still have a pretty okay running game. Those receivers are all right, but we've never seen Aaron Rodgers without like his guys, you know, and you need to be one of Aaron's guys to be able to kind of like run that offense. Yes. Uh, Wherever he goes next, uh, if he does go somewhere else, he's got to have, he's got to have Devontae Adams with him. Uh, You know, otherwise, (laughs) otherwise whoever gets him, it's going to have to go uh, number one, get Randall Cobb, uh, probably bring Jordy Nelson and James Jones back and, and run it that way. Uh, just what he does, what he wants to do offensively, you have to have played with him for a while to be on the same page with him. And, and those Broncos receivers are really good, but, uh, you're going to need like a full season in order to get up to speed and, and, and do the things that Aaron Rodgers wants you to do. And I mean, is that where you are in your career? If you're Aaron Rodgers, you have a year to give up. Probably not. Yeah. I don't know. It's uh it's interesting. I don't I don't know if he'll go anywhere, you know? I I don't know. But again, it's his, his general outlook and 
I think our reaction to the outlook and then our reaction to the reaction of the outlook just makes me not care. I, I just don't care. I want him to be happy wherever he is. That's that's all I wish for anybody at this point. Like this podcast is just going to be me from now on being like, hey, Connor, like, did you think like that was a weird call on fourth down? It's like, I don't care. I just want both of these people to, to be happy and satisfied with their lives. That's all I want. Oh, we got to do a, a spinoff. Just Connor Orr wishes you well. <laughs> Tonight on CBS. <laughs> Connor hearts you. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Bengals Titans. Uh, let's, uh, let's go back to the game that you were at on Saturday afternoon. God, that seems like a long long time ago such a long time ago but it's weird about 24 hours ago well i was i was asleep by now but i'd gotten home from that game uh finished the column got picked up by my best friend from high school who offered to give me a ride home uh from nissan stadium which was very cool Good friend yeah uh, yeah very good friend um and uh and then i walked into the lobby of the courtyard in nashville over by vanderbilt and there was just a, a heap of drunk Bengals fans, uh, you know, monopolizing the bar TV. And then, but then I, my room was all the way in the opposite end of the hotel. So like, there was like eight minutes left and I was like, okay, I kind of got a gauge of what's going on here. And then I walk in the door as the punt block is happening. And I was like, what on God's green earth have I walked into? It was wild. Um, but um, the Titans game was great too. Like people are forgetting. Like that game was awesome. That was that was, I mean, in a normal wild card weekend or a divisional weekend, like that. That's the main entree right there. It uh, it was, and and look, I understand why Mike Vrabel was grumpy because I mean he he came up with a great game plan of this he one. I mean, it. Uh, look, I. This is not going in Zach Taylor's, I don't know, uh, little little uh, YouTube compilation of, of my favorite games type of thing or whatever he might keep. Uh, this was Mike Vrabel kind of won the chess match uh, pretty significantly, and it came down to you know a couple couple bounces uh, on Ryan Tannehill throws that, that didn't go their way. And uh, I thought Jamar Chase was absolutely, I mean, in the same way that Tyreek Hill was, uh, you know, just, just a guy who created things that maybe shouldn't have been there uh, in that Chiefs-Bills game, Jamar Chase was that guy in this game, even if uh, he didn't get into the end zone. Well, it was interesting, right? Because, uh, I mean, the the first Tannehill interception on the first play of the game um, was god-awful. I mean, that was, you know, he he had some bounce-of-the-ball stuff, 
but that was a complete misread. Um, you know, he did not see the safety barreling down on them, and they it looked like they knew exactly what was coming. And I, I, he knew as soon as he threw it. But um, what was interesting was, like, Chase, the big breakaway play that he had, um, whatever that was, like that 60-yarder on that short one, you know, at the beginning of the game, every, when Joe Burrow started getting knocked around, everyone's like, this is so brilliant. The Titans are one of the least blitzing teams in football. They come out and they blitz. Um, and nobody expected it because Joe Burrow's so good against the Blitz. Titans weren't really blitzing. They weren't rushing a lot of guys. On that play, they did. It was one of the few that they rushed. They brought extra rushers, like more than four-man pressure, and they got burned on that. And that was the one time that Vrabel got burned on that. And it was so interesting because most of the time, he was just really good with four-man pressure. They were stunting a lot in the first two quarters. They brought a lot of simulated pressure where it was like maybe, you know, a cornerback comes in and engages lineman, somebody else drops back, Bud Dupree, someone else will drop back in yep. the coverage. Did a lot of that stuff, um, and it just worked. And, you know, here's the thing. Like, I was very close to just writing a critical Bengals column off of that victory because I was like, you know, this is a great story for you guys and everything, but you're going to get Joe Burrow killed. You got him killed last year, and then you did nothing about it in the offseason. And you're like, and he got sacked 60 times this year. And yeah. then you got him sacked nine times last night. Like that, that's going to compound. There's teams here in the remainder of the playoffs that have some pretty darn good pass rushers. I mean, that was the thing. The two things that kind of stood out was uh, I, I thought the simulated pressures were really effective. I thought they were, uh, you know, for the most part, uh, basically just dropping uh, defenders right into where Burrow would have been throwing hot. Right. Uh, the other thing, and this is, I, I don't want to, I don't want to be. This is also what makes Joe, Joe Burrow great, and you've mentioned this before. Uh, he manages that pressure. He like manages the free blitzers, and you know, ducks and dodges and and moves around, and and that's that's his life. Uh, the Titans, and I think it was in part because Jeffrey Simmons was generally uh, also right in his face, regardless of what was happening out there. Uh, he. The Titans finished these plays. I mean, they they got him on the ground. There was no Joe Burrow escaping and, and making plays late in the down. So, you know, with that gone, they're just – and it's it's funny. Like, it got to the end of the game, and it was like, it's like boy, really off day. He still threw for 348. Yeah. <laughs> just like, oh, my yeah. goodness. How did that happen? I, I guess a couple of chase uh, creations there. But, um, you know, it, it, was, it was just – they – gosh – I, I I get why Vrabel was so grumpy. Like everything he did worked. Uh, Jamar Chase got away for like two uh, big yak plays, and and then Chase made a play on the uh, uh, on the last uh, on the last one to set up the field goal, and that was it. Other than that, if you uh, if you have Derrick Henry at full speed, I mean that was a that was a bummer. Um, yeah, he- <laughs> that was that was not him. Yeah, and it was weird, too, because I remember, like, sitting in the press box and, um, uh, you know, I I think I I heard some people, like, around me, you know, it's weird, like, we're not, we're the writers, right? We're not the broadcasters, but in, in, like, every press box, depending on where you are, like, sometimes you will get some people who just think they're calling the game for some imaginary station in their (laughs) mind and just say things yep. like everything that comes to their mind in the press box and you know it was like a guy way down on the other end of the box and it was oh yeah vintage derrick henry today and i was like have you seen derrick henry because it looks nothing like the derrick henry that we saw yeah there, there were there were i because i was tracking him early in the game i was gonna try to do something on him if they won 
there were like four runs that were vintage Derrick Henry. And it was like, but it was almost by virtue of like, he had got the ball at the right angle. So he was leaning forward and it mm-hmm. was blocked really well. Right. And so he got kind of, a, but, but there were, there were other times when the holes were wide open and he couldn't hit them. Like just couldn't, you know, and, and like scores that would have been touchdowns by a mile that maybe ended up as like eight or nine yard runs. Yeah, I mean, just the explosive speed wasn't there. Just the explosiveness overall wasn't there. Uh, the one that summed it up, and, and I don't know I don't know what the reaction was there, but, uh, you know, look, anytime you're watching a football game and you're, like, watching the broadcast angle and, uh, you know, the quarterback throws the ball downfield, there's the, there's just that moment of anticipation that, like, whoa, what's going to happen here? Uh, and sometimes you get those on Derrick Henry runs when he gets out to the perimeter. And he got out to the perimeter on the first play of the Titans' final possession. I know and, exactly uh, what And it was about. just him and Chidobe Awuzie out there. And it was like, oh, my God, he is going to stiff-arm Awuzie into the Earth's core and break off a 40-yard run here. And, like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> just just sort of fans on the stiff-arm. Awuzie gets him on the ground, three-yard gain. And that, that kind of encompassed the day. The Titans fans in this game were wonderful. I have to say, I mean, and the Titans were cool. They they announced Derrick Henry last for the starting lineup, and the mm-hmm. place just like erupted. And they really tried to play off of that. Um, but I mean, if I was very, you know, again, God, he's in my head. Uh, you know, I'm not second guessing <laughs> him, but like Dante Foreman, like you know, he was running really yeah, well in that he game. He was like, moving at a different speed. Yep. I know, and I was kind of like, you might as well just kind of go back to that. But again. He would have been second guessed the other way. So why didn't you use Derrick Henry if Derrick Henry was around? But yeah, my fa- yeah. my favorite moment from that was at the end of the game, Ryan Dan- Tannehill throws the interception, and uh, Titans fans are like really nice. They're like the Cana- like Canadian <laughs> NFL fan, like generally. Yep. Like uh, I I was walking the concourse before the game, and uh, there was a uh, a Bengals fan that was just walking up. Or no, there were. Uh, you know, Titans fans that were walking up and just meowing at Bengals fans, which I thought was very funny. Uh, they just going up and going meow, and uh, and and then just walking away, which I really liked. But then there were two groups, like a Bengals uh, fan group and a Titans fan group, that got into like a minor, like not even like a real scuffle, but just like our team's better than your team. And but then it got like a little hot, so I think like it probably got some attention in the concourse. And then <laughs> Titans fan just kept saying, "Have a pleasant trip home." Have a pleasant trip home, and like, but like in a really mad voice. And I was like, God, I love this. I love, love, love this fan base. But anyway, so Ryan Tannehill throws the last pick, and Nissan Stadium is quiet, like the quietest I've ever heard a football stadium. Because everyone knows Joe Burrow's just gonna come and <laughs> throw the ball twenty yards, and they're gonna kick the game-winning field goal. And like, you can hear a pin drop in there, and like some guy like. <laughs> 12 rows back on the 50 yard line just like at the top of his lungs just goes fuck and then like but like you could hear it like like if it, you like anywhere in the stadium you could just hear it and then like and then it like but i was that's how everyone felt at that moment it was like you're right like the game's over uh you lost and it's uh and it's a real bummer uh but and i felt for them i mean that cool fan base a cool team like um Mike Vrabel said it after the game. He said, for as long as I'm here, it's not going to be about one player. And then he said, and I'm going to be here for a very long time, which I thought was like an odd way to punctuate that. Maybe he knows something about his own contract that we don't, but 
I, I think they just have a cool vibe down there. I wish they could have more like nice players and nice things. <laughs> it was, and, and, and I, I just want to say, I hope that you just don't know it, but uh, the fuck guy at midfield, that, that's that's like the tradition. Every game they lose, that's, that's how they end it. And then everyone gets up and like, all right, time to time to head home in our, our lovely city. Great city, but Nashville. The, but it was, that was the one foul word I had heard the entire time I was there. Like, everyone was so nice. Like, I was walking around like a big Northeastern jerk and running into people, and everyone apologized, like, for me being a jerk. And... So it it was just so like it like it just shook uh, like it took me by surprise. I was like, oh, I didn't know they knew that word down here. That's amazing. <laughs> the MMQB NFL podcast is Connor Orr and me, Gary Grimling. We are produced by Shelby Royston. SI's executive producer of podcasts is Scott Brody, and our senior podcast producer is Dan Bloom. Mark Mravick is emeritus editor of the MMQB, and Andy Noit is the founder of the MMQB NFL podcast as well as a participant in the NFC title game. Be sure to subscribe to this feed on Apple Podcasts, and once you do, leave a rating and review because it really does help other people find the show, which is also available on Spotify, Stitcher, SI.com, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. Com slash compatibility.